So please continue to pray for uh, both of those families. So <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20. Uh, so last week we really dove into uh, the, the Ten Commandments, which I think are some of the more popular things that a lot of people that even don't even know the scriptures will understand some of them. You know, they'll, they'll be able to say, hey, doesn't it say, like, you're not supposed to steal, you're not supposed to kill? So some of those are familiar with people. And in this world, I mean, if you consider, you know, we live in a Judeo-Christian uh, uh, world here, or at least in, in, a, in our nation here. Uh, so we take, uh, you know, things like the Ten Commandments and apply them. And unfortunately, even in our courts, some of them were stripped out of our courts. But that, that's what our justice system was built on. You know, who are we kidding? Who are we fooling by by taking down a statue because of some honestly just some whiners, really? And, and uh, you know, they're, they're not offending anybody. What is offensive about you should not kill? You know, what they're offended at is the first four, that we would honor the creator of uh, uh, our creator and uh, the one that gave us this nation, you know, and um, it's just uh, ungratefulness and, and or misunderstanding of who he is, whatever it is, or rejection of who he is. Uh, whatever it may be, but uh, I mean, as we as we discussed last week, the Ten Commandments are you know pretty practical. Uh, they're they're nothing crazy. You know, honor your father and your mother. Don't steal. Don't covet. Uh, you know, just when you look at those, those are the ones that man uh, it, man's interactions with man, and you know, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the summary of the first four. You know that that we would consider that's very that's very easy uh, to think of that, that there wouldn't be idols that are built. That, that people would uh, become that they would become articles of worship for people. Uh, so when you consider those things, and you know uh, the, how he laid those, don't use his name in vain, and and honor the Sabbath day. You know th those are all pretty practical and reasonable things. But we're messy people. <laughs> you know we are we are just sinful people, and the easiest of commands uh, can get so complicated for us. I mean, it, just just consider like one of the uh, ones that you, none of them are are, are um, uh, bigger than the other. They're Ten Commandments for a specific reason. But, uh, you know, if you consider you should not steal, you know, okay. So we look look down the line of our lives. Did I steal something? Yes. So I broke that law. I, You know, if we're trying to reflect on our lives accurately, uh, it doesn't take very, it shouldn't take very long if we're being honest with ourselves to realize that we are sinners. And, and, and when we look at the law, the law was a tutor for us, right? You know, as we're, as we're starting to get into the definition of what the law means and God said, okay, these are 10 commandments and all of your conduct, it needs to fall into those 10 commandments as we're, as we're going to study through here. And we realize that, wait a minute, this was pointing us to the fact that it, not that the law causes us to sin. It, it reveals to us that we are sinners and we need a savior, right? So, uh, Israel just had all these uh, things uh, where they actually audibly heard God saying these things. And uh, where we pick up in verse 20, 21 is that everybody's just like, we're going to stand afar off because they were told they can't come close and they weren't supposed to touch the mountain or they would lose their lives uh, being in the presence of a holy God as sinners. You know, you have to you have to have the atonement for that sin. There has to be something to, to cover uh, that sin, and we know as Christians here, uh, thousands of years later, that uh, that we can approach God now based on Christ's righteousness. So, 
so the, the children of Israel, having just come out of um, uh, Egypt, this is three months later, and now they've come to Mount Sinai and they've experienced these things and they're afraid. You know, there's great lightnings and thunders and the, 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 the voice of God and the loud trumpet. There's a lot going on here. And it doesn't sound like they really want to be too close, right? Something's a little, you know, scares you. I mean, if you've ever seen Alan's, uh, Alan's uh, cannon, he and, he and Corey have that thing dialed right into, we could probably put in a few more grains here. We can get away with this, right? But when you know something's going to be loud or there's going to be an explosion, we don't run up to it, right? When something when something's intimidating us, we move away from it. That's so these guys are standing far off where it says in verse 21, so the people stood afar off, but Moses that I love this one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. It just it's just so uh, such a powerful that, that God was calling Moses into his presence, uh, that, that as, as the people were afraid and everything, Moses knew who was beyond that darkness. And he, he, uh, it says Moses drew uh, near the thick darkness where God was. You know, that if you consider the darkness, uh, even when we're kids, darkness becomes a great fear, something that sparks fear in us. But there's a great darkness here and all this thundering and everything. And, and we might get to a point where you're afraid to step forward like the rest were. But Moses understood that God was calling him into his presence and he would walk through. And uh, just that Moses drew near the thick darkness. You know, Moses knew that God was there and that's where he wanted to be. You know, that's, uh, we were just singing, you know, better is one day just to be uh, with the Lord. So Moses uh, was 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 called to be there and he was told to, for the others to 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 stay away. <clears throat> you know, the uh, when, when you consider uh, what was being given here, these were basic laws that deal especially with the protection of human life and, and property. Um, you know, think of uh, when you're going through everything that's being explained here uh, coming up, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments just came. And now when we're getting into verses 22 through uh, 24, there's a little bit of a shift that we're we're looking at here. And uh, so God had just given them uh, the commandment and Moses is 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 drawing near to God. And, and what does that all mean? And uh, so as Moses is drawing near to God, it, it, we see here in verse 22 that the Lord said to Moses, thus uh, you shall say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Uh, you shall uh, not make anything uh, to be with me. Gold, uh, sorry, gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make them for yourselves. So uh, as as what these things all mean, like I said, the basic laws that deal with, especially with the protection of human life and property is going to be the shift here that we have. So Moses, uh, as everybody's stepping away, Moses draws in near to God, and then God speaks to Moses and, and starts going into the next step. Warren Wearsby says that the law is powerless to change human nature. Uh, it can only protect life and property by regulating human behavior. I like that, that, that God gave us free will. And um, when you consider what God put forth as a law, uh, that, that human nature, uh, our, our nature doesn't change by the law, uh, but we see that our nature uh, drives us to understand that we are sinners 
as we compare ourselves against God's law. Uh, and we see that God is giving a, um, so now that, that, that uh, the, the Ten Commandments have been given and uh, Moses is uh, speaking with the Lord now, uh, we see that God's getting even more specific here. So the, uh, the nature of man uh, is to have something to see, to worship. So God's immediately starting to focus on, I just spoke to you, don't go do this, right? <laughs> because humans, human nature is to go do that. And uh, where, where we consider what we're looking at, uh, it says uh, here in verse 22, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. That God talked to the children of Israel from heaven. I've even heard it again recently. I know I've said it before, but many will say, If I could hear God speak, if I could see him, then I would believe. And, and the answer is no, absolutely would not. No, because then you, because of that 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 doubt in your heart, uh, you're always going to explain away what just happened, and that's what Israel did. They were quick to forget what just happened. This is God. They're hearing His voice. They don't even want to get close, but they have to be. They've commanded to be close, but not touch the mountain, right? So these, as as these, the basics of these laws are are, are being brought out. We, we understand what God is, is showing us that he knows about man. Uh, you have seen that I have talked to you from heaven. And what does God say in his explanation next? You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver, gods of gold. Uh, you shall not make them for yourselves. You know, that the Lord says, I have talked with you. Um, we understand that this this first time it's God speaking. Later, there's going to become the, the, come the tablets, uh, and uh, God is that's that's going to come uh, further on in our study. Now, as you are, if you're reading by yourselves and you get a little bit further ahead, you get into Deuteronomy, and and Moses is reminding the people of everything that happened. You can look in reflection and, and kind of get some color commentary into some of the things that were happening while these things uh, were taking place. So Exodus may see this, and then you get into De Deuteronomy, and it kind of adds, like I said, that color comment. I went to communications uh, school for a year um, from uh, when I was 17. Uh, I started, and I went for one year of college. Not a good idea for me. I was not prepared to go to college and be without supervision. Uh, so I didn't learn a whole lot that was useful, but I did learn some of these things. And, and one of my major was... Um, uh, was uh, radio broadcasting, and I liked sports, so I was taking a lot of sports broadcasting, and I got to do color commentary. If you if you understand what color commentary is, there'll be one person doing play by play. You know, baseball. Here comes the pitch, and you know, uh, Garcia Parra hits it to left field, and you know, after the play's over, the the person will come in and color, uh, color that color commentary provide color to what was just said. Yeah, you know, it was a great hit into left field, and uh, left fielder came in and played that right, and, you know, Garcia Parr was ready to go to second. It, it's those type of things that fills in when we consider uh, some some extra things that you can they're, – they're both accurate, uh, but but when you put the two together, you have a greater understanding of what just happened. So when I bring up these these uh, scriptures in Deuteronomy, there, there are a couple things here that, um, that come into play uh, and that will provide a little bit of – uh, insight of what was happening. Deuteronomy 4.33 says, Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? 
so so these are some things that that were discussed and, and that came up. You know, has anybody heard God speak and live like you guys just did? Deuteronomy 5, verses 23 and 24 says, So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, because it's talking about the smoke, so the mountain's on fire, right? Uh, burning with fire, that you uh, came near to me, all the heads of your tribes of the elder and your elders, and you came near to me and, and uh, all the heads of... Oh, I just read that again. Again, And you said, surely the Lord our God uh, has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. Uh, we have seen his uh, this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. So it, that, I love that, that extra call that there's a, wait a minute, God speaks with man. God speaks with man. Guys, God still speaks with man every day. We don't have the, the, the powerful display of the, the mountain on fire and the smoke and the thunder and the lightning. Did you guys see the lightning storm on, uh, was it Wednesday night? I don't know if you saw the, the uh, a thir it was Thursday night. It was after Wave Escape. Jen and I are driving home, and it was a constant thunderstorm. It was amazing. I, we, I, you, you would think it was, it was uh, like fireworks, just constant, like a grand finale with no sound other than... You know, occasional rumble, just to see that magnificence and 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 to look at like what what you're uh, to consider what you're beholding, and they're seeing all these things, and and so they're they're watching this mountain burn with fire, and and but when it gets down to all of that, the fact that they had heard the voice of the Lord from the midst of the fire, we have seen that God speaks with man, so they saw all these things, and they saw that, and they they experienced God speaking with man, and. God doesn't always speak to us through a thunder uh, a thunder shower where you got lightning and all those things, the powerful display that's going to rock your inner core of, whoa, I can't even you know get near to his presence. And, and when we consider scriptures like 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, it says, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still a soft voice, still small voice. It just that God can whisper. I think that many of us more, uh, I would be willing uh, to to bet that any of us uh, have, have experienced more of the still soft voice of the Lord rather than the rumbling uh, and everything. You're like I heard thunder and I heard God speak to me through it. Is that impossible? Absolutely not. But the Lord speaking to us even in that still soft voice. You know, understanding who we are, what we need to hear to be able to go forward. But we have to understand we may not even audibly hear what God is saying. More often than not, especially for us today, we're going to hear what he's saying by being in the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That as we're in the scriptures, but today's world and in our culture, it's what can I see? What can I touch? What can I, uh, what can I handle? This is what I need to do to be able to believe it. But faith doesn't come ba based on that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That it's the God. God is speaking, and we know this, that the word of God is alive and powerful. 
We understand that. We know that as Christians, and I know each of us here, that we all understand those things. The power of God can be such a massive display like it was then, or it can be a small whisper, or it can be just us sitting there. By I know that you guys have experienced this. I, I have to believe we all have, where you've just been reading and just been floored about the truth of God's word. Or Florida at his grace, Florida at his mercy, whatever it is, where you just sometimes even have to stop reading. And you're like, I just have to pray or I just have to talk to God. God does speak to us. He does speak to us. When we're in his word in that quiet time, that's when I've found the most powerful times. Because I've been so blessed by a pastor speaking at a conference or even uh, you know, here for 20 years, will teaching, all those things. The most powerful time I've ever had is when I'm alone with God, just sitting there with a notepad or my pen or the highlighter and just God just blasting me like, whoa, right in the heart of who he is and what his word means and what I, how much I need it and those things. When I look at those things and I, I see how powerful God's word is and, and, and the work it does as we submit to it and as we walk in it, but we may not experience that mountain on fire and everything, but we'll have that same experience of knowing that God spoke to us. Don't ever let our circumstances lie to us and tell us that wasn't the case. You know, when we can consider, I was sitting there and this verse or this passage, this chapter, this book changed my life. When I got into this, right, we have those experiences with God where he speaks to us through his living word. And we know God just spoke to me. And in a way that I've never been spoken to before by this verse, uh, it, it, because I'm at that place in my time where my heart is ready and I'm uh, and, uh, and the word is uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to understand that now where maybe at, a, at one point in our lives we weren't ready to understand that or, or our minds were just numb to it. Or, or we weren't willing to accept it, right? I think we've been there too, right? Like, I didn't want to accept it. Now that I've accepted it, I'm looking at myself, and I've got years and years or decades of, what was I doing? It was right here, and I knew it. And I just rejected it, and I robbed myself of so much joy and, uh, and blessing in, in my life. And just to know that God still speaks with man, and we live after he does, <laughs> right? Because of his grace and mercy. You know, think of how powerful God's voice is and what he does with it. Oh, he's so awesome. God told them, you shall not make anything to be with me. Another ref like, uh, when we, uh, reflection that's seen in Deuteronomy uh, that, that reflects back to this is Deuteronomy 4, verses 15 and 16. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when God spoke to you at Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourself a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Okay, so can consider what, what's being said here. Take careful heed to yourself because we need to, right? I remember uh, Will telling us for years you know, do not be deceived. And he'd say, why does the scripture say that? Because we can deceive ourselves or we can be deceived by others. There's the, the warning in the scripture telling us, you know, don't be deceived, right? The take heed, take heed to what God is saying here. Take careful heed to yourselves, to ourselves, right? Oftentimes, I honestly think, and I, I would confess this, that I think the devil gets too much credit or too much blame for our stupidity. 
I really do. You know, not that he's innocent by any means. Don't don't. I'm not sitting here defending the devil, but but oftentimes we don't need much help to make our lives just a crazy wreck, do we? We just follow our own pride or selfishness or whatever our thing is, and and we just see that we're just following the template that the devil may have put forward. But but that's our own fault because in our in our own will we chose that and we we make things harder on ourselves, right? Take careful heed. And then what's being said here by Moses reminding the people, he says, you, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, Sinai, uh, out of the midst of the fire. You didn't see a form, so why would you go? Because there was a cloud, right? There's a cloud. They can't see into that deep darkness in the cloud. You know, in them in their in their idolatrous hearts, and which we could uh, easily, if we want to follow our the idolatry that could easily reside in our hearts, if we don't submit it to God and ask Him to take it away, uh, is we would make clouds and bow down to a cloud. It's that foolishness that that that's just sitting right there, and God's saying, "Don't make anything. There's nothing that can be made. You heard my voice. Just know you heard my voice." And listen to what I said, because what, what do we often want to do? We want to remember the moment over what was actually experienced in the moment, right? Uh, and that's, that's what will end up happening. They, the golden calf, right? They just make a calf because they just want to make something. Behold, the Lord your God. Cows, or a, go, a, a cow, you know, a golden calf. Okay, <laughs> right? God just clearly said to them, you shall make nothing. He alone is God. No images were to be made. Images would only cheapen God's majesty. There's, there's no image that could be made that would bring uh, an accurate depiction of who God is, right? You ever read in, in, in um, Revelation, I think it's uh, 6 or 7, um, where it's talking about when, when John's brought in, it's going to bug me here. So if anybody wants to look it up, go ahead and tell me. But where John gets goes into the throne room and he's talking about uh, the, the stones and, and, and uh, when he's sitting there, I saw one on the throne. And he could just describe Sardis and all, all of those things. He's, he's like, and this was like this. And this was like, he couldn't even describe it. How, how would you just like make an image of who God is, right? But God... Uh, knowing their idolatrous hearts is you can't even do any of that. Don't remember this moment by making something that you can bow down to. You know, God is spirit and we are called to worship him in spirit and in truth, right? If we cheapen that into the stupidity of a cow or whatever else we'll, we'll consider um, uh, and bow down and those things, God clearly spoke against those things. They're, they're worthless and helpless and incapable of doing anything. Isaiah 40 verse 18 says, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to it? You know, is uh, what would you do for Revelation. Revelation 4? Why did I say it was already in 6 and 7? Okay, yeah, uh, Revelation 4, 3. Okay, thank you for looking it up. So I was a little ahead of myself, sorry. Um, I, but uh, I, when you consider being in, I wish I had... I'm right. I won't. I won't freak him out. I just wish I had a better Rolodex mind. I'll just say it that way. <clears throat> what uh, the likeness you will compare to it? What are you? What are you gonna? What are you gonna make? Uh, is is what it says even in Isaiah Romans uh, one verses twenty two through twenty three. Uh, 
speaking of idolatry, it says, uh, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Because that's the stupidity that people do, right? When God's uh, dealing with the depravity of man, when you look through Romans 1 and, and the destruction that's that's happened to the to uh, the human mind and human soul, uh, that, that, that being uh, given over to a debased mind, all those things that are being described in, in Romans 1. Uh, professing to be wise, they became fools. You know, you, oh, you're wise? Well, guess what? You became fools and changed God's glory and, and corrupt. That's why he said don't even bother because you can't figure it out. Don't make anything there. False gods, uh, this is, I, I've never even heard of this guy, so I'm probably going to uh, mispronounce his name, but uh, uh, Jock Elul, E-L-L-U-L, sorry, Christian philosopher, he said, false gods are always gods one can see and touch, and that very quality demonstrates their falsicity uh, and their non-existence as gods. I love that. I love that. I'm going to read it again. I'll, I'll try to do it right. But false gods are always gods one can see and touch. And that that very quality demonstrates their falsicity and their non-existence as gods. If you can see God and you can make a God, is he really God? Right? <laughs> so bouncing that against the scriptures, of course, the answer is no. There's no way I'm getting into Exodus 21. Is there? I don't know. Uh, we'll see, uh, because I think we've been through, what, four verses uh, here as we're going through. So Jews were called to be the people of the word of God. God didn't call them to worship false things. He called them and he spoke to them the, the word of God. So when they went through all these things, God told them, don't do anything, don't make anything to mark this moment where you heard from me. Uh, you can't make anything there. But they were expected to understand and and, uh, and know and remember what God said to them. They're called to be followers of his word, not to make stuff and, and to fall into uh, idolatry and, and those things. They're called to be uh, children of the word. So God spoke with them and they were to obey what they, they had heard. And success for us and blessings come uh, with obedience. And we saw that happen and uh, played out in Israel's uh, lives as we're reading through the scriptures. So they're called to be people of the word, and so are we. Verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where, where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by my steps, uh, by steps to my altar, uh, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. So God is continuing. Okay, don't make anything. And, and uh, after saying you can't make anything, uh, he says, an altar of earth you shall make for me. That altar of earth. Uh, there's nothing, there's no beauty or attractiveness of an, uh, for an altar of, of earth that would, that would be something that is going, even the altar itself would become 
uh, an idol. Well, we can't worship God unless we have this. And God say, nope, you know, just pretty much just the bare basics. As long as you got the bare basics, uh, you can uh, you can sacrifice to me and you can worship me. That way only God gets his glory um, uh, rather than even the altar itself. And then he says uh, the altar of stone. They can't they can't touch it. It can't be built of hewn stone. Um, if they use a tool on it, they profaned it because now they've they've put work into it. And uh, what came to mind uh, for me was a uh, Romans four uh, verses one through eight. Uh, so if you would turn with me because it's eight verses and um, I think it would be beneficial for us to just read it together. If you read faster than me, like Jen does, she reads in like um, like John 2.0 speed, um, and I'm in my thing, so just, just go along with me. But Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Romans 4, verse 1 says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That separation. God is saying, You can't do any work on an altar. I don't want your works, I don't want your flesh. Whatever work you're going to do, I don't want it. Don't do it. You're going to profane the altar. It was a picture of God sharing what was uh, written here even in Romans. That we can't, if we're working, it's actually counted to us as debt. If we're trying to get to God based on our works, now, now it's become debt. You know, if we're trying to get to that point. Because that's the system I was, I was, I was, uh, I was uh, brought up in was doing good works is going to get me to heaven. As long as I've done good works, I'm going to be, that, that's okay. As long as those good works over, overpower the bad works, uh, then, then I'm going to be all right. That's salvation based on my own merit, based on what I have done, you know, the work that I have done. God is saying, I don't want your work. I, just the simplicity of, of an altar that you would, uh, that you would worship on, right? That's what he says, an altar of earth. Uh, but if you're going to do anything, I don't want your work. I don't want you to make anything. You know, setting up an altar. You know, when we look through, and we've already read in in, um, in Genesis before this, setting up an altar was like grabbing a stone, pouring oil on it, right? They weren't to take out a chisel and start working away. God does not want our works. He wants our faith. He wants our obedience, you know, so when this is being described here, there's not a tool to be applied to it. You know, our tools would be an offense to our, our work saying, oh, I'm, I'm getting to heaven would be an offense to God. You know, when, when we come to God, uh, we have to come based on his righteousness. You know, where it says in verse five of uh, Romans four, uh, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted 
for righteousness. Remember, the same as Abraham. It was his faith that was accounted to him for righteousness. It was his faith, not his works, his faith. Now, God doesn't want us to, to do our own works uh, to be able to, to come to him. It's all about the work that God is doing. When you uh, look at uh, what it's saying here in uh, verse 26, Nor shall you go up uh, by steps to my altar that your nakedness may, may not be exposed on it. You know, uh, a couple things to discuss here. Uh, nudity and prostitution uh, within pagan uh, temples were common. So God separating the worship of uh, the pagan worship and, and worship of him. But no steps, uh, you know, consider, right? Uh, look at men's hearts, right? When men want to do something to, to make a, 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 a statement, what do we do? We make something big. Right. <laughs> we make something awesome. Right. Uh, and and when you consider no steps, this is as I was just kind of meditating on it this week. I'm like, if God didn't say that, can you imagine how many steps there'd be there? Guys, there'd be it would be the stairway to heaven. Right. And that is not a song reference there. Right. But it would be that I've got to, and And can man even attain it and all those things And God's saying, I don't want any of it. Right. You can't make any steps. There's different application here. But what I'm saying is, is I love that God said no steps, because what would man do? We got to make this a big religious thing. and We got to make these steps all ornate. And people are supposed to kneel down and make their knees bloody as they're praying. on. Like the craziness that that has come from uh, people wanting to build their own religions and do their own things. It's just crazy. So I love that God said that. And uh, so when you consider there's pagan worship that could be addressed here, uh, but and, and God does uh, address the nakedness there. That, so we'll look at that also. But man, would this just consider uh, the the uh, the the bold um, and the uh, the big old ugly thing that that would might look magnificent and awesome. But look at what we're experiencing in the world. Just look around at the idol worship. Right. Those steps would be worshipped. Guys, I've been to Rome. Like, like they've got little Pope statues everywhere. Like, you can take this and, you know, that's your good luck charm and everything. It was idolatry all around us. And I was new in my faith, right? I grew up Catholic, and, and we go to Rome, and I'm like, I don't even know if I like the Sistine Chapel. Am I supposed to be comfortable in here? And I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. i got to at least look around at the work of art that it is, right? But when we go out and we're on the streets, and I'm just seeing, like, little articles of, you know, uh, idolatry everywhere. Like, oh, you can take this home and you can set up your own shrine and all those things. It's crazy. And what would men do if God didn't, you know, if, if God didn't say no steps, you know, because what would we do with it? I know we've talked about it, so I won't belabor it anymore. But and, you know, no legs, no nakedness exposed. And that's later allowed uh, with linen shorts. Uh, you can look at uh, Exodus 28, Leviticus 6 and Ezekiel 44 that, that the priest would actually be be covered under their robes and everything. But um, but God doesn't want our flesh involved in worship, to worship him in spirit and in truth, like John 4, 24 uh, tells us. So as we wrap up the Ten Commandments, I know I said this last week, but uh, we'll look at it again. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. 
just the, that greatest beautiful command from God. Love him, love your neighbors yourselves. Not that difficult, but it is difficult, right? <laughs> because we're sinful and we're selfish. We actually have more time. All right, I uh, I didn't think we would. We're we're still uh, we're still only at seven o'clock. So, um, when we consider everything that we just read, when you when you're looking at Exodus twenty, there's uh, there's so much there to chew on. Spend some time, go back and reflect on it, and and, and read, and uh, just spend some time. I mean, some of those verses, I even got lost last week because I'm like, they're like four verses, four words long. I'm like, did I? Forget some copy and paste. You guys have witnessed that too, right? Uh, but you know, but meditate on them and look at them, you know, and and not to be discouraged, but to look at them and and, and to see how well God knows us, right? <laughs> okay, so there's this that needs to be dealt with, and it just he he knows us so well. So Exodus twenty one, um, you know, the when we we're going to look at some things here that are a little bit difficult to swallow uh, and to consider. Um, when when we're looking here, and, and some will look at this and go, ah, see, the Bible's endorsing slavery. No, the Bible uh, actually uh, was uh, can be credited for eliminating slavery versus endorsing it and creating it. You know, slavery came way before Israel um, became that that gathered nation. So God is is dealing with, hey, this is a part of the culture that you're in, and this is how I expect uh, Israel to conduct itself. Uh, if you're going to do these things, this is how you have to do it. Uh, so as we're looking at these things, uh, just understand God's not the Bible's not responsible for establishing um, uh, slavery in Israel. Uh, it's uh, it existed long before Israel did as a nation, but uh, the Bible's responsible for eliminating uh, slavery, uh, not establishing it. So uh, Israel was given the law immediately following their deliverance from slavery, right? So they're just coming out of this. Like this, this, all this stuff that you didn't like should not come with you. You shouldn't be doing these things uh, th that are, are going to be here. Uh, so consider when we're uh, to understand who God is and what he expects of us uh, and the justice that God is a just God, uh, that, that he expects uh, the, the love and, and tenderness and those things to, uh, that we experience from him to be uh, you know, forwarded on uh, in our lives. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 5 says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of God. So when we consider who God is and when he's giving these, these commandments and he's, he's where the law is, we're starting to understand God's law and what's being revealed to us here, just understand who's giving it. Uh, Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait uh, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you, for the Lord is a God of justice. <clears throat> Blessed are those who wait for him. Isaiah 61 verse 8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct uh, their work in truth, and I will make uh, with them an everlasting covenant. But that first part, uh, 61.8a, I guess you could look at, For I, the Lord, Love justice, that God loves justice. Uh, we've talked about this verse, um, and I, I, I can't remember when it was exactly, uh, but it was a few months back. I think it was in June, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, those are, those are some pretty basic things. 
but we are just like the Ten Commandments, just like anything God has to say, because we're sinners, uh, we complicate it. You know, that, that's how it goes. But those are some pretty basic things, right? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Uh, those, those should be uh, easier things for us to, to consider as we're, uh, we're living and, and we're growing in him. Humans are sinful beings with sinful nature. So as we go through here, some of these situations should not exist. But since they did, God had to regulate human behavior. And you're going to see the poor and the needy being protected as we uh, move through here. So the law concerning servants, verses uh, 1 through 7, it says, uh, Man, uh, when we get into this, we're going to see uh, here at first, these first seven is a man uh, becomes a voluntary servant. So uh, verse 1 says, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. So Moses and the judges that came as a result of Jethro's uh, advice to Moses, uh, God is saying, these, when you guys that are judging, these are the, how you're supposed to judge moving forward. Now, the four ways a Hebrew might come into slavery, this, this uh, servanthood, as we're going to see as this unfolds. So these judges are, are, are going to have to um, make uh, wise decisions and, and, and to judge rightly regarding these things that come forward. Now, uh, when we when we're looking at slavery and, and, and servitude, we have to understand uh, the the four ways a Hebrew might come into those uh, situations. In extreme poverty, they might sell their own freedom. If they're so poor, they might have to sell their own freedom. Leviticus twenty five. A father might sell a daughter as a servant into a home with the intention that she would eventually marry into that family. Exodus 21, uh, where we're, uh, we're going to be going into here, verse 7. In the case of bankruptcy, a man might become a servant to his creditors, 2 Kings 4, verse 1. If a thief had nothing with which to pay uh, proper restitution, uh, we'll get into that when we get into Exodus, Exodus chapter 22. So... Uh, Verse uh, verse 2 says, If you uh, buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay <clears throat> nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then uh, his wife shall, uh, shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children uh, shall be her masters, and she and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door. Or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and uh, he shall serve him forever. So the circumstances of slavery, uh, they should be chosen and mutually uh, uh, arranged and for a limited duration and highly regulated. We're going to see as uh, these things are, are, are uh, unfolding, as we just read here. So Hebrew males uh, couldn't be owned permanently. They'd work for six years, and at the seventh year, they'd be set free. Uh, we'll get into the year of Jubilee and, and those things as we progress, but as we're here, we're just going to consider it as it, as it is uh, here in Exodus 21. So a six-year agreement. 
So they come in by themselves. They'd go out by themselves. They brought nothing in. They would bring nothing out. Uh, so that that's the, the, the simplicity of, hey, you want to come in and just work for six years? Great. After six years, you leave. You take nothing with you. If you come in to the agreement married, uh, when your six years is up, you can leave with your family. Uh, but if you are provided a wife by the master, if, if he has other servants within the home that uh, he has uh, blessed you with, uh, you it to, you can leave by yourself. And, and it's uh, uh, kind of a sometimes people will say it to be funny. They'll be like, you mean I can just leave and go off by myself and leave the kids and the wives? And, yeah, sure, sure, great. You know, like, we know that that's foolishness, and that's what you know. God is God is calling us to be especially. Um, excuse me, uh, men as the, the head of the household, to be loving husbands and loving fathers and those things that uh, if, if we're uh, in a proper relationship with God, we're not going to be able to pick up and just walk away and just say, yeah, forget you guys. I'm going to go off and I can go fishing every day. I can go do anything I want, right? Fill my life up, my heart up with, uh, with everything by myself. But for those that came to that point where, hey, while I was here, I was blessed with a wife and, and kids and uh, I love working uh, for this. Uh, this is a good boss uh, that I'm working for. I don't want to go anywhere. This is where I want to be. Then they had the option to make that permanent decision. But that was a free option. It wasn't that the, the, the master had had uh, control and saying, you'll do this or else. No, it's they if they want to do it. That's why the judges were involved. Right. So they could go. And I'm sure one of the questions for the judges, are you doing this on your own volition? Is this something you want to do? Do you understand what this means? And yeah, cool. This is what I want to do. And that beautiful, we've talked about it, right? That, that beautiful display of taking uh, that, that all and pounding uh, the hole through the ear and putting that gold earring in. And, and now, uh, you know, I, I bet there was an awesome celebration from that because that, that master is going to be so blessed by that person because, uh, you know, at the end of it, they might just say, hey, no thanks, Right. But but that one with that that mutual agreement of hey we're gonna stick around here forever uh, that's that's a a, a blessedness uh, that comes you know if they're happy with their lives they can sign that lifelong agreement we could say signing um, and uh, they could uh, they could move forward and and be a part of that family forever if the judges approved then they would go through that that process the all and the ear and and they would become that bond servant right. Uh, now, as you read through the New Testament, you're going to see Peter, Paul, James, Jude. They all go through, and they're they're calling themselves bond servants. This it's the if you if you look back to what that means, it's the same thing here. Saying I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm a willful servant of Jesus Christ. I'm I'm he's my master. Remember Paul saying like I'm not a slave to Rome. I'm a slave to Jesus, and I'm in Jesus's perfect will. Uh, and I'm in the God, in the God, the Father's perfect will. Uh, so I, I'm a slave to God, and uh, I'm a bond servant of Christ. Uh, that 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 beautiful depiction of what it is to make that decision of you know what I serve God, and uh, and they would be able to have that that wonderful ceremony, the freedom uh, that comes with being a bond servant. Right? It, it's the kind of a kind of a. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the word. Um, it, it's, I'll, I'll just say it's funny. Uh, it's maybe it's too late. I don't know. Um, but the the how how uh, amazing it is to think that considering ourselves a bond servant of God is then brings us freedom. That that's where the freedom is. 
where well I because what okay what else was our our were we bond servants to our sin right whatever sin that was some of us it was a lot of different ones right I'm no longer the slave to that you know I've been set free by Christ you know I've got his jewelry on I've got his mark in my life that 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 freedom right that that I was under the cruel bondage of whatever it was that we were seeking for ourselves and how cruel that master is our flesh and our sin is such a cruel master. Uh, just look at Israel, uh, excuse me, at Egypt, and, and, and how bad they were to Israel. It's a picture of our sin, how bad it is uh, for us in our lives. But the freedom and blessedness of walking in Christ. Colossians 4, verse 1, considering the masters and, and, and with the, the um, command for a master to be godly. Colossians 4, 1, masters. Give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Ephesians 6, 9, and you masters, this is Paul writing both of these, uh, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also in heaven uh, is in heaven and there is no partiality uh, with him. That peaceful, loving relationship that should exist uh, between, uh, we would consider it in our day, a boss and an employee, you know, that that should be a loving thing. It shouldn't be that somebody would lord over somebody else. It should be a loving relationship. Uh, verse, uh, verse seven says, and if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, uh, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master uh, who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall not, uh, he shall uh, have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the customs, custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if uh, he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Uh, it seems the implication here is referring to selling a daughter with the intention of future marriage. So uh, God is uh, giving them uh, this, a, a description of what is to happen. Because look at the wording here, betrothal, wife, marriage. All those things are discussed here versus, uh, and I said the opening verses, uh, it's actually 1 through 6, 7 through 11 here is speaking more toward the, the woman servants. Uh, the, so, But you look at what we're looking at, the, the, the wording here, betrothal, wife, marriage, um, may even be able to, um, you know, that these things, it may be speaking of that. It may be uh, speaking to, hey, you know what? Why don't I pay you this this amount now so it will be cheaper now than it would be later, that there would be a higher fee when the, when the daughter's older, um, maybe because she's more uh, attractive or more uh, like they would consider useful around the house or whatever it is. Um, so we don't know what would set that in, but when we can look at what's being uh, implied here by these words like betrothal, uh, wife, and marriage, it seems that this is addressing uh, somebody that's going into an agreement uh, that they would be a lifetime provider for uh, this young lady. 
so it's that they wouldn't be set free for uh, after six years like the man. If they're a con concubine, they would be provided for as a second wife and uh, still treated fairly. Now, if they were not married to the master or chosen for a son, uh, and then he takes somebody's out, somebody else, there creates an issue here, it's saying, that they can't be sold to a foreign master. They're Hebrews. They're supposed to remain in Israel, to uh, remain uh, in that, that um, uh, kosher, uh, kosher culture and uh, you know, preserving them. You know, the father-in-law, if they're not going to uh, be, be uh, given to the son in marriage, then the father-in-law had to provide for her like a daughter and not a slave, not to be treated poorly. You know, if the household fails their obligation to her, and if she's denied those three things that are mentioned uh, there, uh, that uh, they don't diminish her food, clothing, and her marriage rights, but if she is denied those things, she could go out free without paying for anything. She, she, she is, is free. She's not in bondage uh, to them any longer. She no longer belongs there. And she's sent out. She'd already been sent out from her birth home, and she didn't have a protector or provider in society. So God is ensuring that the judges of Israel are making sure that this woman is, is cared for and provided for. So when this situation came up, they the judges would go back, and what did God say about this? And they would turn in their scrolls or whatever, and they'd go and they'd find it and says, this is what should happen. If this didn't happen, she's free. She doesn't have to pay anything, and she can go uh, free. But either way, it's kind of a tragic thing, right, to think of somebody being sold either way into, into any type of slavery. Um, you know, tragic for the, the, the man or, or for the, the young girl. You know, I love that the Scripture says in Romans 13, 8, owe no one anything. You know, owe no one anything. Because if we don't owe them, we don't have to pay them anything. Right? We don't have to do any of those things. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the servant of the lender. Right? This is the servant of the lender. I owe you this, so I, I have to do those things. I love here that it's just, you know what, just don't owe anybody anything. If we don't owe anybody anything, then just, you guys know, you ever paid off something? You're like, I don't have a car payment. This is awesome. Right? I love it when people ask me, do you own your house? I'm like, no, the bank owns my house, right? I'm still buying it from the bank, right? Because they own it. They gave me the money, and I own it, but I don't have the right to sell it until the bank's been paid, right? So so when things are, are uh, free and clear, uh, it's a nice feeling when we don't owe anybody anything because then we don't get into that, that bondage that's there. So there's a big shift in, uh, in gears here as we move forward. Verse 12, uh, consider that man is made in God's image as we're, as we're moving through these things. And God is uh, just, I mean, this, this is, you know, the law uh, concerning violence. Uh, and we live in a violent society. Uh, and look at violence. Just the, I, I can't even tell you uh, the, the percentages of violent crimes. that, that, that They just, it, every year just keeps going up, Right. Whether it's murders or, or you know, uh, aggravated assaults and, you know, any, any of those types of things, right? It's just getting worse and worse. Verse 12, he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. So uh, the first half of, uh, so just looking at verse 12, it says it's describing capital punishment. You know, there, there can't be any deals done. 
Uh, if you killed somebody, it, your life for their life. That's that's what it's saying. If you look at, uh, if you consider what it, what's going to pop up here, Numbers thirty-five verse thirty-one says, "Moreover, you shall take no ransom for the life of a murderer uh, who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death." Like there's no, they, the, and you know the rich guys are trying, right? Oh, oh, so how much would it be? How much you make in a year? How about we give you ten years salary? We forget all about this. Nope. Then you're breaking the law. Right? You killed that man deliberately, that premeditated murder, you're done. That's the end of the life uh, for that person. However, you know, if he, uh, if he, uh, you know, were, if it was a result of an accident or something, there's, there's the difference there. So anybody who uh, deliberately premeditated striking them uh, to kill them, to, to kill them, that uh, would require their lives. Now, we just read this last week, uh, Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. Right, so God is is getting into an example of that. What He's explaining. Romans thirteen verses three and four. For rulers are not a terror uh, to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will not, and you will have praise from the same. For He is God's minister to to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for He does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. You know, so we see here that God has a serious uh, view on these breakers of the law, those who practice evil. Genesis 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he, he made man. So there's a, uh, God takes it very seriously. Uh, you know, obviously it's murder, right? I mean, that to us, that's like the biggest thing somebody can do is to murder somebody, right? Now, it says here uh, in, in verse 13, however, if he did not lie in wait, uh, but God delivered him into his hand. Now, you may look at that like, hey, if you just kind of walking by and sees the guy and, and, you know, hey, I just had this hammer and I really want to take this guy out. That's not what it's talking about, okay? This is accidental death that you would consider like an act of God, okay, where you're like, I didn't mean to do it, but it must have been his time to go. Okay, so if we look at it, and, and that's what, like, uh, you know, if somebody's you know working at a construction site, they wear hard hats on a construction site for a reason, right? You know, you're you know uh, uh, a mason, and you're dropping cinder block, and one falls off and hits somebody in the head without it. I mean, even with a hard hat, they're gonna their bell is rung, you know. But if no hard hat, that guy's done. You know, that it's just gonna take him out. Something like that happens. You know, where there there wasn't anything premeditated about it. God is going, what he's saying here is he's going to appoint cities of refuge. And we'll get into that. But it's a place where uh, that person that has uh, committed any type of even uh, accidental death, like a manslaughter or something like that, where they would look at it and go, you didn't mean to do it, but the avenger of blood's still coming after you. And that would be the next of kin or the oldest, whatever, uh, would, would be, uh, they would lawfully, they could go after them. But if they went to a city of refuge, they would stay there until uh, the high priest died. And when the high priest died, then everything's done and they can go back and they don't have to fear the, re the, the retribution. So uh, so there's there's uh, provision here for accidental death. Uh, so, so there's a difference between premeditation and uh, somebody who's lying in wait and wants to just commit murder here. Um, so... Uh, 
Verse 14, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Even if he goes to the altar like Joab did, right, trying to cling to it, saying, no, you wouldn't kill me here, would you? No, we're just going to rip you off and drag you out and do it as God says, right? Don't don't let him come in here. If somebody has uh, committed premeditated murder, they're supposed to be held accountable to, to it. Verse 15, and he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Uh, now, you're going to see here 15 and 17 have to deal with um, the uh, treatment of uh, father and mother here. But uh, when you consider what uh, the Lord said in Exodus 12, uh, 20, verse 12, he says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land uh, which the Lord your God has given you. Right? That first uh, commandment with the promise. So, but if anybody was to strike their father or their mother, they shall surely be put to death. Um, I know uh, that I, I know several people. I've never punched my dad or punched my mom, but I've sure said some things that maybe I shouldn't have said. That's addressed in verse seventeen, right? That that disrespect for my parents um, and uh, just uh, having no respect for them. But where it says here, I mean, consider how many of us maybe have excuse me been to the point where. We had physically struck a parent. How many of us wouldn't be here tonight, <laughs> right? I had it out with my dad, punched him right in the face. Really? Let's talk about Exodus 21, <laughs> right? Wow, God's graciousness, right? Or just be glad you weren't born back then, right? Direct negative consequence to the disobedience. Rather than honoring and being blessed, uh, you know, there's the uh, there's the other side of the coin here. Verse 16 he who kidnaps a man and sells him, if he is found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Uh, man, don't I wish that was the same today? <laughs> just, I just, just, just to think of, of, uh, you know, somebody caught red-handed, done, um, that it wouldn't be, oh, we're going to send you to prison for two years and rehabilitate. No, what was your intention with that person, right? Your intention was to, you know, do wicked and evil uh, against them and to take them away. And, and, and what do we see? Somebody's taken away and, and what happens? I love that God says that should not happen. That should not happen. If it does, that person's going to lose their life. They're caught, especially caught with the person. We'd say caught red-handed, you're done. You know, God has no tolerance for it. Because when you're, somebody's taking somebody, they're taking them for sinful reasons, right? So as I said, verses 15 and 17 go together. And he, verse 17, who curses his father and his mother shall surely be put to death. Uh, just look back at verse 17. The, the respect and submission to, spare, to parents. No wickedness or hatred uh, being directed towards parents. Uh, that's being uh, clearly spelled out here. Verse 18, if men contend with each other and one strikes the other uh, with a stone or with his fist and he does not die but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside uh, with his staff, uh, then uh, he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of the time of his time and shall provide for him uh, to be thoroughly healed. Man, does God have to deal with some of the most foolish situations, right? Because God's saying, hey, guess what? You're going to do this. And when you do this, this is how you deal with it. That's what God is doing. He's literally laying out, I know you're going to do this stuff, and this is going to continue on. When this happens, this is how you deal with those things. 
So the responsibilities that somebody had if they were to greatly injure somebody. Okay, so we saw if they're in a fight and that person dies and they kill them, they're going to, okay, that costs you your life. If you maim them and they're hurt really bad, well, now your responsibility is to pay them for time lost and you're supposed to provide for them while they're recovering. So that's going to be a heavy, like, if you're considering, because what's the what's the law supposed to do, right? L regulate how we live, right? Uh, to keep us in, in line. And if we're if we're negating, uh, you know, what we're uh, what we're doing, we're just disregarding that. Then we pay the penalty for it. So fine, you guys want to fight and you want to beat each other up with you know stones and with your fists, and you you really do a number on somebody. Uh, then guess what? You're tied to it. And you're, you're responsible for making sure that that person's provided for. Uh, you're going to pay for them, pay them for the loss of time. This is God's way of holding them accountable, even against fighting uh, with each other. Verse 20, if a man, uh, if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall uh, be punished. So they weren't to uh, take a rod and beat somebody to death. They weren't supposed to do that. Now, uh, what we're going to read here is if there's like the they weren't planning on uh, so that that the servant needed to be uh, corrected for one reason or another. They weren't to beat them to death. God's not saying, hey, you can't just go and and beat them to death. You're going to face the consequences if you do. If you uh, accidentally end up killing them, then what we see here is notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, it should not be punished for he is his property. Now, consider in, in those days, Rome uh, they had so many uh, servants and, and slaves that if a uh, Roman killed somebody, nobody even cared. You can kill them out in public, go back and bury them, and nobody's going to say a word. Oh, this is a slave. They don't mean anything. They were taking slaves and sending them into the the uh, arena, not not yet, but into into arenas, and um, uh, they're just wiping them out. Like, oh, cool, we got some more slaves to kill today. How do we want to do it today? Just being uh, uh, being creative about those things, but the human rights that are being described here, you know, the others would have complete disregard. You know, it may not have been deliberate uh, here, but that that person belongs to that person, and just to think that even slavery would exist back then, and that it did, and God is trying to regulate them, saying, "Hey, if you find yourselves in these situations, this is how you're supposed to conduct yourselves." Verse 22, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, uh, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the, uh, as the woman's husband imposes on him. Uh, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if he harm, if harm, any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, and burn for burn, wound for wound, uh, stripe for stripe. So accountability for violence that results in a pregnant woman uh, getting injured and causes premature birth with no harm that follows. They would be punished according to the that woman's husband's. Uh, now that's I wouldn't want that, <laughs> right? Oh, you hurt my wife and maybe my kid. I, you know, you're lucky, Mike. But. Guys, I've already told you the story of, of Jen and, and the girls getting shot with a water hose while we were sitting there waiting for ice cream, right? My response instantly was I was I, I said, you're dead to the guy. And I jumped in my truck and I'm flying through the streets of Bucksport at speeds I shouldn't trying to track those guys down, right? They just sprayed my daughters. My kids are crying and everything. And, and I'm just like, you're done, man. And I don't know what would have happened. These little teenage punks, if I would have caught them, right? Thankfully, God is gracious and God is good. And he got a hold of me and said, stop. 
you know, and, and they got caught and, and we dealt with it another way. I actually got to share the gospel with them later when the cops called. It was like, do the second thing that comes to mind, right? Ken Graves shares that. Don't ever do what I did, right? But if that, those if I would have caught them, I would have been like, can I shoot them, right? You know, I, I was that angry. Like, I just, I wouldn't want that, right? It could be such a bad thing. But if harm follows, equal will be uh, given in return. Eye for eye. That was the limit, okay? Eye for an eye. That was as far as they could go, right? I love it that, you know, when Will taught that, it will always stick with me. Like, you know, so if somebody loses a hand, you don't, like, chop off their head for that, right? There's, there's, a, there's an equality. Oh, you want to do something like that? Well, you're going to experience what it means. That's, that's what this is for, that equal judgment. You do this, then you lose an eye, then they're, you know, the, those uh, type of things. So we need limits, uh, measures of fairness, because if we didn't have them, it's going to be the, the way the, the husband would have it, right? But if you notice here, if there was harm to the baby, God has great concern with the unborn child. No matter what this culture says, God's word is, is the, the thing that we follow and the thing that we honor. Not this junk that, that our, our legislatures can come up with to say that a full-term baby can be terminated. No, murdered, right? Because what this is saying is if your actions cause the death of a child, then you're responsible for that, that manslaughter, right? You may not have tried to kill that baby, or if it was murder, then it is murder. It's, it, so you see there's the accountability for it, but we are such hypocrites in our laws that say that, well, well, it doesn't really matter if we do it controlled. Guys, God's word is, is, is what we follow. God's word is what matters. And God's opinion on this. That child is a living being made in God's image. And for us as a nation or us as a state to, to say that we know better or we're going to be able to do more than that is sin. It's wrong. And there will be answer and consequences for what happens. Though that's a human being that God has breathed the breath of life into their into their lungs. He has given them a heartbeat. Oh, you, I know you guys know this. Sorry, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but it's so sickening what is happening. Even in this state, it's just it's embarrassing. It's gross. Okay, we're just going to read through uh, 27. We'll pick up on 28 later because it shifts to animal control laws and stuff like that. Verse 26, if a man strikes the eye of his uh, male or female servant and it destroys it, he shall let them go free uh, for the sake of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let them go free for the sake of the tooth. You know, it's a whole different take of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? You know, you think, wait a minute, do I really want to lose this person? Self-control, right? Not be acting in wrath. God's saying, hey, you want to act in wrath and you do this? You're going to lose that servant that's, that's in your home. You punch him in the face. These are deterrents. These are things to deter people from doing these, these things. Keep yourself under control. Because if you end up doing this, you're going to lose that, that servant that's working so hard in your house. Because they're going to be able to go to the judges. And the judges are going to look at this and go, oh, well, no, this falls in this case. That, that person's free. You lost him. You knock out their tooth. I mean, I wonder. I wonder how many servants are sitting there going, you know, hitting themselves right in the mouth, right? You know, but but of course you'd have to stand before the judges, and then if you're giving a false witness, you don't want to do that either, right? Man, there's some crazy stuff here that God has to adjust, has to has to work through and weed through. And there's some things here that we read that sometimes, you know, you're just like, God, I don't understand that. 
Okay, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to continue in my faith because I know God does understand it, and especially back in that culture. I'm just grateful I'm alive in that day. But God is making sure that that those are, are you know what, you want to you be abusive to them, then they're going to experience their freedom. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word. And Lord, let us be uh, obedient to what you say. Help us to continue to, to grow in our knowledge and of your grace and mercy. And Lord, your provision, uh, your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.